Welcome, Nerd Herders. You're listening to Go Check Yourself. In this very special episode of Go Check Yourself, we will be looking at Season 2, Episode 9 of Chuck, Chuck versus the Sensei. Uh, to begin, I wanted to impart some of my own sensei-like knowledge uh, to all of you listeners out there. I have some questions here that I'm just going to answer real quick. First question is, how do I email the Go Chuck Yourself team? Well, young grasshopper, all you have to do is send us an email at gochuckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you have any positive feedback, that's the best kind, I suppose. But if you also want to share ne- negative feedback, you know, we need a couple of those too, right? Who doesn't? Uh, next question. How do I reach out to the Go Chuck Yourself team on social media? That is a great question. You can follow us on Twitter at Go Chuck Podcast. That is the only social media presence that we have that I know of. Uh, so if you're communicating with any other kind of Go Chuck Podcast on on another social media platform, maybe don't give them any kind of personal information of yours. Also, don't give us any personal information. Just don't give anyone any kind of personal information over the internet. Uh, let's see. Next question. What can I do to support Go Chuck Yourself? Well, that's such a nice question. You can always listen to all of our episodes, including the back catalog on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you want to, you can like and subscribe to us so we know that we have your support. That would be great. And also, if you want to write a review, that would be wonderful. We, you know, really appreciate it and goes a long way. So that's all the questions that I have. Without further ado, I think it's time to start the show. Here we go. Chuck yourself the English version. My name is Chris Gillespie. My name is Aaron Arada. I thought for some reason I thought you were going to say the English patient, and I was like, that would be a fun episode. I don't know anything about that. I just wanted to let the listeners know that they are not listening to the Spanish version of this particular program. Uh, you know, if you because we do we after we record the episode in English, we go back and recite the entire thing in yes. Spanish for Spanish yeah. speakers. Uh, so, but you're listening to the English one. Um, I wish that. We could speak Spanish, but also that I would be able to submit this to my my high school oh. Spanish teacher and retroactively get the the B plus that I had in my senior year Spanish class bumped up to an A minus because I had an A the entire yeah. year. And then like there was one week at the end of the semester, like at the end of the year, where she's like, a lot of your grades are really lacking to the entire class on <laughs> me. So I'm going to give you this work that, you know, the idea is that it's going to fluff up your grades. And wouldn't you know, I did not do well on that <laughs> no. work, so my grade went down, and she didn't even just like turn a blind eye to it. Wow, it's it's so hard that you didn't get special treatment in your uh, high school Spanish class. She introduced it to help okay. people, and then it hurt me. That wasn't in the intention. In my high school Spanish class, we had a thing called dots, where you had to get so many dots per, uh, I guess, semester, and it was like when you raised your hand and you like answered a question, you would get a dot. So you had to get, so you had to get like 10 dots in order to like have the participation part of your grade be like an A. And I was like, Mm. hell no, not, not doing that. So I would always have to work extra hard on all of my assignments to make up for the fact that I just refused to participate in class. (laughs) I feel like I, from the Spanish projects, like I think recording a podcast in Spanish, I feel like that is a project that would at least something that, that my high school would do. Because I feel like all the projects we did, it was like, do a cooking show, but in <laughs> Spanish, or write a romance novel, but in That's Spanish. Fun. Or we had to make a MySpace a radio page, show. but in Spanish. 
that was the project that I did bad on. Like I was so proud of my MySpace page and then I got it. And it was like, it was a piece of like construction paper or like origami paper, like really nice paper. And then I like printed out little pictures of my friends and I made my top eight and I wrote my like who I'd like to meet section and all that stuff. And then like, I got it back and written on the back was like B minus. And I was like, that's the lowest grade I ever got. I also, why do you think you did poorly? My Spanish was bad, I guess. Oh, um, I, I was never really sure, but that was also the class that I like forgot to turn in an assignment. Like we had to do like, uh, news of the week. Like we had to do like, uh, South American news. Like we, and then we had to write like a little mm. report on it. Um, and I just like forgot to do it. So, but I feel like my, at least like 10th grade Spanish was just me like trying to make up for like these like dumb mistakes or things that I like just refused to do. So. Good times. Yeah, it good all memories. Kind of, yeah, it, it all kind of. I worked hard in Spanish, and I got generally A's in Spanish. I don't think I retained any of that because at the I took the AP Spanish course, and then at the end I took the AP oh my test. God. I've never done so poorly on a test, and like have been cognizant of how bad I was doing as it was <laughs> unfolding. It was just like because there was like a speaking yeah. part and a listening part, and like both times, almost immediately, I was like. I have never, I've never heard of anyone doing well on like the AP language. Like maybe, maybe it's like small town high schools are just like not equipped for like that. I guess it was, it was so hard. Like though. if you'd been, if you'd been learning a language like since grade school, maybe you could master it. But like, I don't think you're going to get it in like three years. Like you're not going to be fluent. And I feel like those tests are designed for like high level language speaking. I didn't do it. I didn't want to put myself yeah. through that. It was a waste yeah. of time for sure. And does, but, it, does the AP course uh, or the AP test doesn't it cost money? Yeah. Yeah. It okay. Does. So yeah, I was. But <laughs> the flip side is, if in the off chance that you did succeed at it, you would get college credit, and obviously the AP test is cheaper than. I mean, that's fair. In we didn't have to take a language so. course at college, anyway, though. Well, because we tested out. Oh, it, did we? Okay. Or like you had the credits from high okay. school. Cool. I was I was Aaron's college college uh, academic yes, advisor. Yes, yes, he was. Well, was. My academic advisor like left at, like in senior year when I like needed one. He was like, "Bye." Would you say that he was like the sensei? Yeah, actually, yes. Of your your yes, college he experience, was. Uh, very very similar to this episode in that he betrayed me when I needed him most. <laughs> this episode is Chuck versus the sensei. It is episode nine of season two. It is not uh, Check versus the Sensate, the Netflix sensation that was uh, canceled in its prime. Just, just to be clear, we are saying Sensei. Also, to be sensei. clear, um, I don't know if you experienced this watching it on the DVD, but the season two DVD misspells Sensei so that it has an A when the official episode title is Sensei with an E. And also Amazon did that as well because I, they're presumably pulling from the DVD. That was some information I got. Oh, I did not notice that. I don't usually have the captions on when I watch. That's fair. But, like, didn't you see the episode title when you were clicking on it? Yeah, I don't remember how it was spelled. All right, you want to you wanna dive in? Uh, Yeah, that, w- that would be great. Okay, so the episode starts with two men fighting in a beautiful Japanese-style garden in 1994. One man is in white and the other is in black. Remember that, because it, it comes, I don't know, it's symbolic, whatever. Uh, we find out that the man in white is Casey, who has very long hair. He looks sort of like Michael Shannon and or my dad. So that's one of my first Father's Day connections. He, you think he looks kind of like... I I have a habit of saying people look like people who they no one else thinks they look like. My point... I agree with that second part. I don't think he looks like your dad. Um, 
But well, I'm, I always I'm, glad, kinda... I'm surprised that it took us this long in recording the show for you to make a comparison to someone looking like your dad. Well, no one who's listening knows what my dad looks like, so it could be true. That's true. I don't even know what your dad looks like. Uh, he's just a mysterious, yeah, a mysterious figure. figure. Um, the sense in in this case, I feel like the episode is kind of playing with like some father imagery, and I want to be clear to the audience that uh, I was looking for any father imagery in anything because we are recording on Father's Day. Just <laughs> stop laughing at me. I'm always looking for father imagery in things. <laughs> Um, but it is Father's Day today as we are recording. That will not really be relevant because this episode will not come out anywhere near Father's Day, but you can, uh, you can know that we both love, I don't, I, I'm speaking for myself, but I think we both love our dads. Um, and, uh, happy, happy belated Father's Day to all of the fathers out there. Uh, I will, yeah, I agree with that. I hope that fathers and their children are spending their uh, God, maybe September <laughs> listening to the Father's Day episode of Go Check Yourself. I don't know when this is going to be released, but yes, it is Father's I Day. I am doing this uh, instead of Skyping with my father. So, all right. So back to the episode. Uh, Casey yields in the fight and the man in black says that Casey's unfocused. Retreated the further scenes of them fighting in various natural locales with various weapons. And each time Casey yields and the man in black has something negative to say about Casey's performance. Man in Black finally tells Casey that he must find his calm center, and only then will he be able to win in the fight. We cut to the buy more, where Emmett is advising Casey on how to sell stuff. He's basically like, you need to smile more. He also, he insults the color of Casey's teeth. Did you hear that? He was like, you need to get your teeth whitened. Like, it was like weird. I was like, why? Casey has beautiful teeth. Um, yeah. And it's face. I feel like teeth are just one thing. Like, I feel like that's taboo regardless of who you're talking yeah. to. Like, no one is allowed to talk about each other. No, that's teeth. like, that's one of the things you don't say. But Emmett does say Ever. It. Ever. Uh, Emmett's face gets really close to the camera, and we stop being able to hear his voice, and Casey seems to either have found his calm or be about to murder Emmett. Eventually, he just walks away. Chuck and Morgan happen to be passing by at this moment, and Morgan comments on how Casey scares him. Chuck very astutely says, that's what happens when you bottle up your feelings like that. You become a seething mass of pain. So, if you want any insights into uh, my my therapy, that's a that's a comment I get a lot. Morgan is your therapist in this case. Oh God, just yeah, just like that one episode where he was Ellie's Ellie's mm. therapist. Yep, I I got ideas. I for think that. he probably had a psych minor. I th- yeah, which is just like me. That's a it's a con- that's a, something we have in common. You have a psych minor. Yeah, I didn't know that. I, and I fill it out on job applications sometimes. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. Good for you. I'm proud of you. Thank you. That's really nice. Uh, Morgan and Chuck have a very scene-setting conversation about the end of his relationship with Jill, which was nice for me, having not seen that episode in the past week. And I was wondering if there was a break between those episodes, so that's why we get the, like, kind of thorough recap. Mm-hmm. But uh, there wasn't. It was they, they aired a week apart, so who knows. But it's nice. They set the scene. Um, their conversation is interrupted by a call from Sarah. Chuck returns to Castle and finds out that something is happening with some NASA-type organization, whatever. Chuck and the team have to surveil a testing facility to see if Chuck flashes anything, blah, blah, blah. It's very, like, it's their, their typical mission. Uh, Chuck is a little rattled by this and expresses a wish that he could have some downtime to sort out his feelings about Jill having been Fulcrum. Casey scoffs at this, like, <laughs> feelings. But Sarah is supportive to the point of saying, maybe a new mission is exactly what you need right now. I, I like this touch because I feel like it is if if you were in that situation and you had just yeah. gone through all the Jill stuff, you'd be like, wow, I really need a break. That was really fatiguing. Yeah. 
I was like, oh, yeah. that, this, this is accurate. Like, I this makes sense. Like, I also would not want to go on another mission after going going through all the Jill shit. Yeah, I think I think that's fair, and I think it does play into like the larger themes of the episode. So mm. it's it's nice. We cut to the Global Launch Agency, which is the organization they're monitoring. Chuck is parked in the most conspicuous black van ever, right in front of the entrance. So no criminals will be stupid enough to go in, obviously. <laughs> but actually, I'm wrong, because Casey, who is disguised in a lab coat, gets attacked by... Who does he get attacked by? Is it maybe a ninja? Oh, it was a ninja. I it was a ninja. Forgot. Yeah. Uh, the ninja it was like a snow Casey. ninja. Yeah, he was like a snow ninja. That's that's a good term. Because they were um, wearing he, all white, in like a white mask and everything. Yeah, yeah, because it was kind of like at first, at first glance, it would kind of be like a lab coat, but then it was like he had his face covered and everything. So <laughs> whatever, don't. Uh, he the, the guy kicks uh, Casey in the stomach and steals something from a glass case that happens to be right behind where Casey is. Mm. Then he kicks Casey in the stomach again. Then he leaves. Uh, while this is happening, there are other people in lab coats in the background, like just kind of like walking casually by, doing nothing to stop it. So. This is a very exciting lab, I guess. Uh, there's a chase. Chuck accidentally locks the doors between Casey and the ninja, so Sarah has to chase him. She's also in a lab coat, and the show kind of seems to think this is, like, really exciting because they pan up her slowly and show her wearing glasses as if we, like, won't be able to believe it. We're like, ah! But uh, <laughs> it is Sarah. She is there. She is in a lab coat, and she looks pretty much like Sarah usually looks, but, like, with a lab coat. Um... And glasses, that's important. And a ponytail. But she wears ponytails sometimes, so. Um, there's a kind of funny exchange where Sarah walks into a room and there are two lab workers in, like, an adjoining room and they stare at each other for, like, a decent amount of time. And then one of the lab workers points up and the ninja drops down from the ceiling onto Sarah. It's important to I note guess, that the, the decent amount of time in this is a majority of the episode. A, a bulk yes. of this episode is yeah, these just, two like, minor characters at staring at each other yeah. for upwards of 25 minutes. Did you think that was, like, a long pause, though? Like, it was, like, it seemed, like, just a long time. They, You just, like, really get to look at the details of their face, and you really yes. kind of get to, to feel for them, just based yeah. on the, the silent staring. It was a weird yes. choice, weird structural yeah. choice for the episode. It was pretty, yeah, it was, it was kind of like in, um, because when I were talking about I saw Aladdin last night, and it's kind of like Guy Ritchie's, like, slowing down, speeding up style. It was just like that, but, like, to the max. Guy Ritchie to the max. Yep. Uh, I guess Sarah gets knocked out by this because the ninja runs out of the room, out of the facility, and gets tackled by Casey. They struggle. Casey stabs the ninja with a pen and takes off his mask. Mm -hmm. And it's the man in black from the beginning. Dun, dun, dun. Casey says, Sensei? The man in black, who I will now, uh, I am officially dubbing him, Ty, runs away and gets into a Hummer. I was very excited to see a Hummer because I do not see them very often. Uh, because they destroy the environment. Um, but I was excited to see one in this episode, um, in this fictional world. Chuck sees Ty and flashes on him and finds out he was in charge of training NSA operatives some point in the past. Um, in the Hummer, Ty pulls the pen he's been stabbed with out of his bleeding flesh, and he sees that it says, buy more on it. Dun, dun, the driver dun. asks if he's okay, and he says, I'm better now. Now you can say you're done, done, done. Done, done, done. Thank you. Uh, I think it was a mistake on Casey's part to have anything, like, self-identifying on his person during a mission, but who am I to judge? I'm not a spy. It just says buy more, though. Like, if you, I'm sure if you went through my collection of pens, you would find brands Yeah, and I mean, I have, like, of Bank of America. Of I have, like, places I haven't even been. Yeah, like, exactly. Pens. Same. Just, so. like, 
yeah. different colleges or foundations. It doesn't really yeah. mean anything. It, even if it did mean buy more, I'm, I imagine there's probably a lot of buy mores in the Burbank area. There might be That's the Burbank true. buy more, but there's probably neighboring towns have their own stores. Moving on from that, apparently they couldn't get the guest stars to align for the Thanksgiving episode, but they can now because Ellie bursts into Chuck's room the next morning to tell him that Devin's parents decided to take the red eye in from Connecticut. I was wondering what airport they went to because I feel like Logan or JFK are easier to get to LAX from, but maybe Hartford flies to Burbank. I don't really know. But my big question was, I don't, I, okay, I, like, it's been a little while since I saw the last episode, but weren't they, like, driving in for Thanksgiving? Couldn't they not come because of, like, driving issues? Yeah, I think they're, they were supposed to be in a car. Yeah. Okay, so I'm glad I'm not crazy. Well, I'll, okay. My other, much bigger question is, are we, do you think that, like, the Woodcombs are, like, they live in Connecticut now and, like, lived in California earlier? Do you think they were just in Connecticut for some reason? Or do you think we're meant to believe that Devin comes from Connecticut? Because I do not believe that. <laughs> He's a California man. <laughs> he was a California man, but he was born in Connecticut. He was born in the wrong state. And that's why he had so. to move. Yeah. I assumed that they I were think. from Connecticut. I believed that like they were from Connecticut, but I I just understood Devin to be like a California man. Maybe they were originally from Connecticut and then they were on vacation in California and then that's when they gave birth to Devin and then they left him there to be raised uh, by uh, the surfers. To be raised by the surfers. Wild surfers. Wild surfers, a roving pack of surfers, and then um they went back to Connecticut. So he was right. he's from Connecticut by blood, but he's really raised okay. by the surfers. It's like a Julie of the Wolves situation. It's just like that. That's exactly what yeah. I was thinking. So uh, I think it's really unfair of Ellie to burst in on Chuck, who is sleeping, and scream that she uh, needs help, and it's an emergency. <laughs> I need help right now! Just like, like Yeah, Chuck's reaction, <laughs> like, being startled is like pretty... Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, but what she actually needs is help cleaning. I'm unclear on if they actually clean... Because when they go out into the living room, the awesomes are already there. So I don't, I don't really know the timeline of this. And this is also like the week after Thanksgiving, which is yes. when they were originally coming when Ellie was doing. But all they her do cleaning. not make reference to that at all. No, and you think that like yeah, the, the house is probably fine. She just cleaned yeah. it, or you know, yeah. it's probably fine after a week. Well, uh, Morgan, Jeff, and Lester were in it eating, so I don't know. It could be pretty messy. Fair enough. The Osmonds are both in Viking outfits, mm -hmm. which is just something that we should know. And uh, Devin's mom tells Chuck to call her Honey, and Devin's dad says his name is Woody, which is short for Woodcomb. But maybe uh, Toy Story 4 is coming out soon. If you want to just think it's he's named after Toy Story, go ahead. Or maybe Toy Story is named after him. <laughs> maybe. Thank you maybe. for all these topical references that will be yes. spoiling uh, not, the episode. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's okay. Uh, they're there to help with wedding planning, I guess. Honey says she's arranged for a dinner to be provided from the caterer. She's apparently selected. Uh, they're all going to get together to taste the food the, the next night, I guess. Uh, she hopes that Chuck and his girlfriend can come. And Ellie says, yeah, Sarah loves food, which I hope is something people say about me when I'm not around. Erin Arana? Yeah, it's like she eats food to live. Yeah, it sustains yeah. her. Yeah. She's got to have it. Sometimes three times a day. It. Sometimes. Food, got to have it. <laughs> Back at Castle, Casey explains to the team and Beckman that Ty was his sensei and taught him everything he knows. Sarah says she's never met anyone who trained with Ty before. 
Beckman tells Casey to share his stories because any detail could help them find Ty, but Casey is a little reluctant. Beckman explains that Ty has gone rogue and is now stealing weapons to sell on the black market. Casey and Chuck have some tension. When Beckman reveals that she knows where Ty will be selling the weapon he just stole, Casey suggests that Chuck sit this one out. Chuck is upset about this, and Casey is kind of a jerk. The B-plot of the episode is that Emmett is instituting an Employee of the Month contest. We learn during this exchange that the founder of Bymore was called Moses Finkelstein, which I just think is very important information. They also, I noticed they have his picture, and then they also have a picture of, like, all, this, all the employees of the store, mm-hmm. like, just on display, which I thought was kind of fun. Because I kind of remember, like, grocery stores growing up, they would have, like, pictures of the managers, presumably so you can, like, locate them. But they don't usually have, like, any, like, the minimum wage employees, just, like, all of them just, like, on the wall. It's definitely unnecessary, especially for uh, a retail store, because I feel like yeah. employees are coming and going so frequently. It'd be a waste of time to take their photo, yeah. print that photo, hang it up after yeah. framing it, constantly taking do, them down. We know that this this particular buy more will have the same employees for five years, at least. So <laughs> We do. Yes. Uh, Sarah comes to the Bymore to check on Chuck, and as he's going to talk to her, he tells Morgan he doesn't really care about the employee of the month thing. Somehow this inspires Morgan to become a symbol of anarchy. More on that in a minute. Uh, Sarah tells Chuck to try to cut Casey some slack because Casey obviously feels betrayed. Meanwhile, Morgan leads a revolution in the break room where he says that if they buy into the contest, Emmett may get a promotion and eventually take over the store. Also, importantly, he says that whatever prize Emmett says they'll get if they win will probably be super lame. Mm-hmm. Morgan proposes a contest to see who can get the lowest employee of the month score. Logic here is just airtight, Morgan. Yeah, Everything no, is, makes, makes sense. perfect sense. Well, that's typical of him. Yes, so. Um, Lester says the customers can go service themselves, so I propose that we uh, call this, this episode Go Service Yourself. <laughs> go Service Yourself. Go Service Yourself. Self-serve. Self-serve podcast. Self-serve. You, you watch the episode and then you record with someone and you just do it. That's fine. Yeah. We'll just end That's the episode Spanish. here. Okay. Th- bye, everyone. Bye. Back at his apartment, Casey prepares a big bag of guns. You mean like a trash a- bag full of guns? I mean, it's a, I don't know. Oh, it's, it's like a, bag. a duffel bag. Yeah, he just got a big bag of guns. Big bag of guns. Uh, in a fit of rage, he pushes his bonsai tree off of a table, which made me really sad because it's not the tree's fault. Yeah, he's had the bonsai tree for a long time. Yeah, but I thought it was kind of symbolic of him rejecting his inner calm. Mm. Mm. He's really letting the, the beast out. <laughs> yes. Uh, he's he's the mad dog now. He's the mad dog. Well, he's always been the mad dog. That's true, but yeah. He's projecting uh, he, his mad dogness onto Chuck in the other, earlier episode. Yes, that makes sense. Casey calls Chuck and asks him to flash on a license plate. Chuck is really rude to Casey and says he thought he wasn't part of the mission. And Casey gets aggressive and calls Chuck an insignificant little puke, which is fun. <laughs> Chuck hangs up on him, then realizes that Casey and Sarah are on a mission surrounded by enemies, so he, he probably shouldn't have just, like, hung up and not helped them, so he calls back. But it turns out he's not very helpful because he doesn't flash on the license plate. Realizing they're in over their heads and about to lose the buyer, Casey and Sarah rush the car with their guns drawn. That doesn't seem like a great plan, but that's what they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a driver in the car who says he's just there to deliver a package. He was apparently not concerned about the package in the back being, like, a large, like, metal briefcase with, like, blinking lights and a timer on it. But we we all realized that it's a bomb and it's about to go off. So Sarah, uh, Casey, and the driver run away from the car. And uh, 
they're they're all okay, presumably, but uh, there was a bomb, and Ty is nowhere to be found. So where could he be, Chris? Well, I'll tell you, Aaron. Ty, <laughs> uh, whose last name is Bennett, shows up at the Bymore and asks Chuck where Casey is so he can return his Bymore pen. Uh, really in- intense, you know. If- I really wish... I, I, I wrote down that I wish that the pen was still, like, soaked in blood at the tip. Like, he's cleaned it off, which is kind of nice, but, like, imagery, I wish it was just a bloody pen. Yeah, that would have been good, and I feel like that would have yeah. been easy. I think we should all make it a point to go and return the pens to all these various places that yeah, we all that collectively very, have pens from. Yeah, that would be very therapeutic. Maybe that would help us find our intercom. I think that would just bring us together as a nation if everyone just had to go around. Maybe I th- <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write this movie, and it's going to be shot and directed and then released around the holidays i feel like uh-huh. this would be the perfect family-friendly movie that no one wants to see that gets released during the holidays like um yeah the one with steve carell as the the little action man the little action figurine well welcome tomorrow yeah i'm gonna get that director and uh, welcome to penguin <laughs> welcome to mar pen no i think it's just gonna be called i have your pen or i have i have our pen oh it's our pen you have my pen I think you're onto something here. I think this this might be a good idea. Should I just call it Pen Island? That's yeah. That's pretty good. I think um yeah, I I I think this would be good as a film or I think it would be good as like a Nickelback music video. Like if they make a comeback, I feel like that that could be like everybody's returning their pens and there's like a song in the background like a hero could say that was a really bad nickelback but you know you know what i'm saying it would be beautiful i could see yeah. that like slow yeah. motion footage of people going up into different places and, <laughs> like this guy with this like really shaggy looking goes into a bank and like returns yeah. the bank's pen yeah and then it's like all right chad get at us <laughs> oh man if we that would be wonderful if we were able to produce and write a nickelback music video <laughs> really good uh Nickelback, if you're listening, it's on the table. We'll do it for any sum of money that you can offer. Maybe even no yes. money. I would do this for free. <laughs> as long as you cover like just the basic food and housing. Good lord. Okay. <laughs> so anyhow, yeah. Bennett is at the buy more with a pen, trying to ask where Casey is. So Chuck, you know, this is a red flag for Chuck. So he goes and he calls Casey, but Casey doesn't pick up. So it goes to the voicemail. Uh, meanwhile, Bennett approaches Morgan to ask where Casey is. And since Morgan is doing opposite day with customer service, he's very rude to Bennett and Benton, uh, Bennett threatens him. It's not very different from Morgan's usual customer service persona. No, it's not. Uh, Chuck runs up and tells him that Casey is actually not working today and he doesn't know when he'll be back in. So Bennett, uh, I guess, is like pretty cool with this. So he thanks him and he leaves the store. Seems like a good way to resolve the situation. Yeah. Uh, Chuck follows Bennett out of the store and to the large mark uh, parking garage which is apparently something in the plaza yeah i didn't know about that uh he once again calls casey to let him know that bennett was at the buy more sarah and casey tell chuck uh don't do anything we'll be there asap but bennett has already snuck up on chuck so bennett takes chuck and he shoves him into the trunk of a small sedan back at the buy more ellie and devin are with devin's parents honey and woody adding items to their wedding registry didn't know that buy more had a registry program but also I interesting guess they do yeah. Honey makes a sales pitch to Ellie for why she needs to own a machine that vacuum seals food. And I think that sounds pretty nice, actually. I would like that. And Woody explains uh, that the camcorders are great because you can use them, quote, first for your honeymoon and then for your kids, end quote. That was, that was horrible. 
Oh my god, I was I had to rewind it and listen again because I was like, did he really just say that? Whatever you do, just make sure you use two separate tapes. <laughs> Devin apologizes to Ellie that his parents are so involved and Ellie understands, but as she, uh, Devin walks away, she pretends to shoot herself with a pricing scanner that she's using to add the registry items, and good thing it wasn't Casey's price scanner. <laughs> oh my god. I was gonna say, I really like... I, like, having used one of those, I like all the gun imagery. I'm like, not... I'm not cool with actual guns, but I'm cool with uh, Kelzons being guns. I think I've definitely used some kind of price scanner in that fashion. Yeah. I think. I can picture you doing it. I would absolutely do that. Uh, yeah. Devin asks Lester where Chuck is, but Lester is also doing the whole terrible customer service thing, so he doesn't help him initially until Devin gives him a stern look. Meanwhile, Casey and Sarah follow Chuck's GPS signal and find Bennett in, I'm assuming, the same large mart parking garage. <laughs> no, he hasn't made it very far. No, he's not. Uh, they realize that Chuck is in the car, but Bennett and Casey lock eyes as their cars face each other and they decide to play a game of high octane chicken. You ever played chicken? Nope, not in any capacity. I think we should do it right now. How so? Well, you may have noticed I've been moving around. I have been climbing to my building's roof. Uh, <laughs> I would, I would like you to do that as well. And uh, I don't know how chicken works. I I think that you have to be at a high height. I well, I think it's anything that you have to like. You have to be gradually racing to put yourself into danger. Okay. All right. Well, I will. Uh, I will throughout this episode from now on be gradually uh, putting myself into danger. Okay. I hope that you will be doing the same. Well, I will. You know, I'm going to turn the camera off and then. We will just work on the honor system, and you can trust that I will be, uh, you know, going, Great. going That's into a dangerous I situation. Great, I not question that at all. Perfect. Perfect. Chicken. So, do you, do you say chicken while you're playing chicken? Yes, I think I think you have to chant it over and over again. Okay, all right. Sarah is in the passenger seat of Casey's car. She's not fond of this idea because she doesn't want to die, so she starts freaking out at Casey. Uh, Bennett eventually gives up, and he swerves at the last minute, crashing into a bunch of parked cars. Casey and Sarah jump out of a Crown Vic, which is what Casey was driving. Yeah, it was a Crown Vic. Yeah. He's got another one. It's $10,000 Crown Vic. 10 grand. Buy him in bulk, baby. <laughs> Buy five at a time. Casey yeah. chases Bennett out of the garage while Sarah runs up to help Chuck in the trunk of Bennett's car. Bennett runs along the rooftop of adjacent buildings as Casey pursues him. They're running and jumping and leaping down things, doing parkour action. Chuck... Uh, Casey corners Bennett at the edge of the rooftop near an interestingly placed cable that's dangling from a crane. Hmm. Bennett has a cool rogue mentor speech where he says that he's been following Casey's impressive career and asks Casey if he thinks that he would have been able to achieve or survive any of it without the training from his beloved sensei. Casey says no, which is the answer that Bennett was fishing for. So that must have felt good for Bennett. Uh, <laughs> yeah it's nice to get praise from your students i imagine that he doesn't have like the course evaluation system that like we had in college so it's like that's the only way like he has to corner them on a rooftop did i do a good job <laughs> please tell me i did a good job what do you think i could improve on <laughs> um bennett admits that he came to burbank to ask casey to join his team of fulcrum agents <gasps> is he fulcrum is, is that ever established yeah or, like Oh, okay. All right. I wasn't. I wasn't sure if he was just bad. But he's like a manager of Fulcrum too. Like Is he's he? doing well. Yeah, he's a team leader. Okay. Cool. Casey uh, doesn't really consider it at all. I thought he was going to no. consider it, but he doesn't consider it for a second and says that I would have. That would have been interesting. I would have liked that actually. Yeah. Um, 
Casey does not consider it at all, though, for a second. And he says that he's not a traitor. Then it is all like, whatever, you're not strong enough to be on my team anyways. Uh, and then escapes by swinging down that cable that we were just mentioning. Uh, and he's, yeah, he just gets away. He's completely yeah, gone. Yeah, he's gone. He's out of there. Uh, during a debriefing with Beckman, Beckman finds out that Casey was playing chicken while Chuck was in Bennett's trunk and decides to take him off the mission since it is clear that Casey is too emotionally involved to perform appropriately. Chicken. 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 Sorry, I was just practicing. It's okay. Um, yeah, that's that's what happens. Casey pleads with Beckman to keep him on the case. He's like, no, no, please. I swear I'll change. Beckman, no. That's like that's like kind of a Nick Cage. It was. Uh, yeah. So... <laughs> Was that what, was that your intent there? No, it just to do? accidentally turned into that. Okay, that's cool. Casey pleads with Beckman to keep him on the case since he knows Bennett well, but Beckman won't have it. She reminds him that his primary objective is to protect the intersect, so she's going to call in another team to take care of their mess while Casey gets a cooldown period in Castle. Casey yes. is pissed at Beckman, but mainly Chuck for mucking up the entire mission. After the debriefing, Casey vents to Sarah over lunch, who admits that she thinks that Beckman made the right call, and Casey laughs. And says that he's being called out for being too emotionally involved from the agent who, quote, can't keep her chocolate out of Bartowski's peanut butter. I like that line. Innuendo. Sarah then goes on to Wait, say, well, hold on, hold on. What, it, what do you think is the chocolate and the peanut butter uh, in that? It's kind of like a, a, a My Humps Cocoa Puff situation. I always kind of, I need you to please explain. Oh man, I so do not want to do this. Um, <laughs> this is chicken. This is this chicken, is chicken. now. <laughs> um, she can't keep her chocolate um, out of Bartowski's peanut butter. She. <laughs> Everyone likes chocolate, so Sarah is chocolate and she is alluring, but Bartowski is peanut butter and Peanut butter is more protein based. Mm. It is more reliable. And some people are allergic to it. It's more utilitarian, though. So, ah. you know, Chuck's more stable and normal peanut butter, but Sarah is like sweet and different as an escape, like chocolate. I feel like we're back in an uh, introduction to literary studies, and you just answered one of Dr. K's questions, and you're like, I feel like there's phallic imagery in the tower in the turn of the screw. That's not what I said at all. In this moment, <laughs> and there is phallic imagery in Turn of the Screw. You know that. Well, there's phallic imagery in uh, the chocolate peanut butter comment too. Well, I mean, sexual imagery. Yeah, it's not phallic though. You would know. Chris Gillespie. <laughs> I can't even say this. Chris Gillespie, phallic expert. You're being so mean in this episode. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just like Sarah I'm... to Casey. Casey's just trying yep. to be. You know, he's going through a whole thing, and Sarah's just like, man, man, man. Meh, meh, meh is exactly what I sound like. <laughs> meh, meh, meh. I'm trying, uh, what I'm trying to do right now is get a lower score on my uh, host of the month, employee of the month, whatever. <laughs> I want my comment card. I'm trying to be a jerk right now. Okay, I see. Yeah, I appreciate I'm the that. Ba- I'm the bad boy of the podcast now. You do an opposite day with the podcast. Yeah. Just trying to reel you in. Um, Sarah... This is Sarah has thoughts about this. Sarah then says that her emotions have never put the intersect in danger. Unlike Casey, who let anger cloud his judgment. Casey says, so you admit to having feelings for the nerd to which Sarah responds. I will admit to having feelings, period. Casey then says that one thing he's learned from his 20 years in the business is that everybody lets you down eventually. But you know what? Sarah, don't give a shit. She walks out and finds Chuck sitting upstairs in the orange orange. 
Chuck asks Sarah how Casey's doing and says that he feels terrible about how everything has played out. After all, he understands uh, what it's like to make rash decisions based on emotional involvement. See the last three episodes with Jill. Uh, <laughs> Sarah is impressed with Chuck's empathy, but explains that they have higher standards for Casey, who should know better than to get into his emotions involved. Sarah then approaches the door and reminds Chuck that she'll see him the next day for something to do with Ellie and Devin's wedding. And she asks Chuck to just leave Casey alone in the meantime. I would think that's pretty reasonable advice from Sarah. So Sarah is, she's going off her shift. Which is leaving Chuck there? Which begs the question, like, what did she do to unwind at the the end of a long day? You know, like, what's she looking forward to? What do you think? It sounds like you have an idea. No, I don't. I literally just, I have this question written down. I would guess that she goes back to her beautiful apartment and, like, is in her underwear. Like, based on the information that I have been given by this show, she's just constantly in her underwear. Yeah, I guess you're not Something wrong. Something to do with knives? Well, she has a um, a clock radio now, so she can listen to some, some hot tunes. I suppose. She could uh, take a shower and, like, uh, make sure that no one is, no ninjas are attacking her while she's attempting to take a shower. It's- you know, we've never seen Sarah take a shower. It, the last episode we did. Well, well, we've seen her, like, attempt to take a shower. We've seen her, like, wash poison from her body. Okay. But we've never... I, I would argue that we've never seen any of these characters take a shower except for Ellie and Devin. It's true. Because they're doctors, so they're clean. They have to be clean. I'm proud of the show for establishing that doctors are clean. Doctors are clean. <laughs> Everybody else dirty. Back at the buy more, Emmett has wrangled Morgan, Jeff, and Lester into his makeshift office, which is actually just the break room. How did he get curtains in there? He has, like, doctor's curtains that just, like, slide along the ceiling. Probably just bought them at Large Mart. That's true. That's, yeah, I'm sure Large Mart uh, probably has has curtains. I think so. Yeah. Emmett informs them that out of all the incompetent employees at the buy more, that these three have distinguished themselves by getting the lowest customer satisfaction scores in recorded history, to which they all high-five. Emmett says that since none of them are taking it seriously, he has decided to make a new rule where the employee with the lowest rating will have to work a closing shift every Saturday night for a month, which all of them are vehemently against. This is this is truly a terrible punishment. Yeah, that's... I, I mean, I thought he was just going to say that he would fire them, but I guess this is pretty bad. Yeah. Maybe worse. Yeah. Did you make note of Jeff's line here? Because I thought it was very funny. Uh, Emmett leaves them with the closing words you have one night to improve your scores so they all sprint out and begin delivering absurdly outstanding customer service so the answer is no I did not make a note of that line <laughs> um, so Lester says that he can't work Saturdays because of his Jewish religion and uh, that is true that is it is not legal to force employees to uh, betray religious laws uh, to work you, you have to make accommodations so that is true but uh Emmett don't give a shit in this case. But Jeff's line that I really liked was he said, I can't work Saturday night either. It's date night. And then Emmett like raises his eyebrows. And then he says, it's laundry night. And then Morgan and Lester raise their eyebrows. And then he says, it's two for one night. And then everybody's like, ah, thought it was good. Good. I, I thought that was just a, a clever little, little exchange. That's pretty cool that they have a, a bar that does two for one night on a Saturday night. That kind of deal doesn't usually happen on Saturday nights. I was, I was wondering because... I mean, I I had to, like, take a moment to think, like, two for one what? Because, like, I mean, I guess, like, the implication is obviously bar, but I was, like, thinking, like, it was, like, two for one anything. He didn't say two for one drinks. He just said two for one. Two for one where? We need to know. Damn it. Chris. 
Meanwhile, on the sales floor, as they're giving their outstanding customer service, Morgan and Lester are doing well. Uh, but Jeff just screams at a customer and berates him for giving him four out of five I really stars. liked that. I liked seeing him, like, because Jeff is a very, like, emotionally muted character, mm-hmm. right? much like Casey. Um, and I liked seeing, like, the, the actor get a chance to, like, shout and, like, show some emotional range. It was very raw. Yeah, it was nice. Nice change of pace. Back yeah. at the castle, Casey is trying to break out of castle. With was he, so did they just lock him in? They were like, you can't be on this mission and you're not allowed to go back to your home. Yep. They just locked okay, him right. in. Okay, cool. But his attempts are unsuccessful, so he calls Chuck. Casey asks Chuck to come to castle, but Chuck says that Sarah told him not to. Casey then sits down and explains to Chuck that he started training with Bennett when he was young and stupid, and that Bennett agreed to take Casey on as a student, even though he didn't qualify for the program. Bennett, he says, taught him everything that he knows. He then really opens up to Chuck and says that he feels very vulnerable and exposed, but he doesn't feel comfortable talking about it over the phone. So Chuck, being a good friend, agrees to come over right away. I'm glad that you wrote that Chuck is a good friend because I wrote Chuck is so fucking stupid. Great. (laughs) Chuck enters Castle and is all apologetic and ready to console Casey when Casey grabs Chuck and puts him in a headlock and uses Chuck's fingerprint to turn on Castle's computer system. Casey pulls up the security footage from the scene in the parking garage and zooms in on the passenger seat of Bennett's car where a folder with a bonsai tree emblem is printed. (gasps) Chuck flashes on the bonsai symbol and discovers the address of Bennett's headquarters, which he tells Casey. Casey then brings Chuck over to the retina scanner to use his eye to override the security system and open the door. Casey brings Chuck up to the orange-orange and handcuffs him to the counter and says that he will shoot Chuck if Chuck tells anyone where he is or that he's going after Bennett. Now, this is bad news for Chuck because Chuck has to go to Ellie and Awesome's wedding food-tasting thing and Casey has left Chuck's cell phone and keys out of reach on a table. It was like, I don't know if Casey was being like dumb by leaving that stuff there or if he was just being like extra sadistic. Because he could have just taken them and then like none of this, like if, if Chuck didn't even have the option of a phone. Mm-hmm. But then on the other hand, it's kind of like, like cool because Casey's saying like, oh, Chuck, you couldn't even get that. Like it's so close, but you can't even get it. Yeah, that's true. He could have just yeah, like left it outside or something. That would yeah, been... he could have just pocketed it and yeah. left. Back at the Gortowskis, the Awesomes, Sarah, and Ellie are taste-testing food for the wedding, and the Awesomes are basically steamrolling over, like, everything. Honey asks Ellie her favorite cake, and then says, actually, it doesn't matter, which was pretty bold. Uh, Woody offers to walk Ellie down the aisle. Devin and Ellie keep sharing, like, increasingly agitated looks. But the walking down the aisle thing makes Ellie snap, and she finally bursts out and says that she said yes to the big wedding and the burgundy bridesmaids' dresses, but she can't say yes anymore. She rushes off, and Devin follows her, which I thought was nice, a good show of loyalty, uh, leaving Sarah and the Awesomes to sit very awkwardly together at the dinner <laughs> table. Woody says, so Sarah, you're in the yogurt game? Which I'm, I'm, I want to be described as in the yogurt game. Well, maybe you need to enter the yogurt game before you I guess so. That. That's, yeah, I'll, I'll work on it. Uh, Chuck has made a string of plastic yogurt spoons and gummy worms, which I really liked. Yeah, this is uh, cool. To, to get the phone that's on the nearby table. I wish we'd seen a little bit more of that, like, rope and the, the ingenuity of using, like, different yogurt top ingredients, but it was nice to see this one. He gets his phone and he calls Sarah and says he can't tell her where he is because Casey threatened him, so he makes her guess. I thought this was unnecessary, and also, I'm not sure why Orange Orange isn't Sarah's first guess, because there are literally three locations anyone is ever at, and she is currently at one of them. But she guesses it, good, uh, pretty pretty quickly. 
Chuck tells her Casey went to Ty's new dojo and gives her the address as well. Sarah tells Chuck to stay put while she goes after Casey. Chuck is not happy about this. He, I'm not, you, maybe you can explain a little bit better what he does here, but he kind of seems to break into like the orange orange refrigerator system and get like a pipe full of liquid, liquid nitrogen mm-hmm. or something like that. I don't know what it is exactly, but he sprays it on his handcuffs and then he hits them with like a metal scoop and they break. So. Yeah, more ingenuity in his part. A good description of that. Okay. Uh, Meanwhile, Sarah catches up to Casey at the dojo and puts a knife to his throat. There's kind of a struggle, but then she says, I'm your partner and I'm not letting you go in alone. So that's a nice moment. Uh, While I was writing this, I I made a stunning observation. Have you ever noticed that partner is an anagram of parent? No, I did not. Father's Day. Chuck drives up to the dojo and someone knocks on his car door with a gun. <laughs> when Casey and Sarah burst into the dojo, Chuck has already been captured and they, uh, like, a whole group of men in karate uniforms, like, just has guns pulled on Chuck and then points them at Sarah and Casey. Chuck says he was waiting in the car, he swears, which I guess was kind of true because he was currently in the car mm-hmm. when he was captured. Ty pulls a gun on Casey, but Casey convinces him to fight him in hand-to-hand combat with honor. I agrees, because he's nothing if not honorable. Casey starts losing the fight pretty badly and keeps getting knocked to the ground. Apparently everyone is cool with Chuck pulling Casey out of the ring and giving him a really long pep talk, because he he does that for a long time. Uh, he says that beneath his terrifying exterior, Casey is a scared little boy who has many deep feelings, and he actually loves Chuck. This makes Casey really mad. Chuck tells Casey to direct his anger at Ty. Then Chuck turns to Sarah and explains, Casey doesn't really have a calm center. It's more of an angry center. Can I just take what do you a... think your center is? Carmel. Yeah. I think that this is another instance of that Chuck fighting game would be sweet. You have Ty Bennett as a character, and you have a level that's the dojo. It would be nice to have Ty Bennett as a character in something, because he's not a character in this. <laughs> Shots fired. Casey beats up Ty. Whatever, he's he's good at fighting now that he's angry. Uh, his plan after this seems to be to take on the literally dozens of other students in the dojo, but before he can, the FBI rushes in because apparently Chuck called Beckman. Nice, nice foresight on his part. Probably while he was in the car driving from Burbank to Mulholland Drive. Like, maybe not that far, but like he's, he had time to make a phone call. <laughs> Back in the Bymore, Emma is announcing who won the Employee of the Month contest, prompting me to wonder, did a month go by over the course of this episode? I was led to believe this was like a day and a half. Yeah, I guess the scores are in already. I, <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> um, so the winner of the contest is Skip Johnson, one of our extra extras from a few weeks ago. So that's great. Skip Johnson using his knowledge of meditation and the secrets of the human mind to perform <laughs> outstanding customer service. Yes, I loved I, I was happy that he got recognized. Um, also, he gets a 65 inch flat screen TV, which is Ooh. yeah a sweet prize right there. Is it a sweet prize or is it more of an inconvenience? Because, like, where is he going to put that? What if he already has a TV? What if his wall is too small? Like, what's he going to do with it? I guess worst case scenario, sell it. It's just really big. That's my problem with that TV. It's like, like 40 inches? Great. 65? That's pushing it. That's too much. That's like one wall. I appreciate your emotional involvement in this. I feel like you are talking that you feel like Skip is one of your roommates and is going to be bringing this TV and that's the level of investment. No, I was imagining it. I was like, oh, I would just be like a little bit like, I wish he'd gotten just like a more convenient prize. Can't you just be happy for him and his giant okay, TV? Okay, fine. I'm happy for you, Skip. 
Morgan and the others are, I mean, they're kind of happy for Skip, but they are jealous. And Lester and Jeff feel betrayed that Morgan said the prize would be lame because obviously it isn't. Wasn't lame. Emmett should yep. have just mentioned that up front. I think a yeah. lot of things would have been well, different. Well, I mean, I, I think, yeah, I mean, I think it, he was kind of being a jerk. Like, I think that's why he didn't mention it. But I think that if he had mentioned it, then it would have given the employees more incentive. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Ooh. Meanwhile, Chuck and Casey return to their apartment complex. Chuck has a one-sided conversation where he's pretending to be Casey thanking him and saying they're friends. Casey is completely silent throughout this whole exchange, but as he goes into his apartment and shuts the door, he very quietly says thanks. Chuck is pretty pleased about this. He goes into his own apartment and he finds Ellie lying on the couch with a glass of wine. He apologizes for getting stuck at work. Literally. He was stuck because he was handcuffed. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Uh, Ellie says Devin is taking his parents back to the airport. It's unclear if they, like, changed their flight, which seems kind of inconvenient, or if, like, they were just planning to leave that night anyway. I don't know why, like, they just, I mean, I I think she just, like, she was indicating she didn't want them to plan her wedding so much. Like, I don't think she was indicating that she needed them to leave, Mm. but uh, they're leaving. (laughs) Um... So Ellie uh, talks to Chuck. She says that she never dreamed about her wedding day when she was a little girl, but she did always think that her dad would walk her down the aisle. She says she knows that it's not going to happen, but it's hard to let go of. Chuck is really struck by this. Um, He goes into his bedroom and he finds an old cardboard box. He pulls out an old birthday card with his dad's phone number on it. He calls, but the number is no longer in service. He goes back out to the kitchen and promises Ellie that he's going to use his computer smarts to track down their dad. I guess he's never tried to do that before. Maybe he didn't care to do it before, but he guarantees that their dad will walk Ellie down the aisle. Well, he's saying that his computer smarts, he means his spy connections. Oh, okay. I, that makes that makes a lot more sense. Okay. Um, I was, I was going to ask you, I, uh, when I was reading reviews of this episode, I guess this is the first time we found out that their dad is like alive and around. Mm-hmm. Like, and I kind of remember when I was watching this for the first time being surprised by this because I just assumed, like, both of their parents. Like, I know their mom left them, but they haven't really mentioned their dad too much. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember watching this live and how you how you reacted to this news? Uh, I do not. Okay. I kind of, like, I remembered when they got to the part of, like, I, there's certain parts of the show that I remember because I remember having, like, emotional reactions to them. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there was some degree of shock where I was like, oh, they're, like, they're going to try to find their dad. Like, he's he's around enough that they could maybe find him. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we'll find out about that later, in a later episode. But who knows? Mm-hmm. Who could guess? And uh, thus ends the episode on a on a pretty poignant note of uh, brother-sisterly bonding and uh, talking about dads, much <laughs> like one would do on Father's Day. Uh, this ended up being a pretty good Father's Day episode, huh? Yeah, it was actually. Not, I mean, not saying that this is a good episode of this, but like this is an no. appropriate episode to talk about. Yes. On Father's Day. I was, I feel like there was a line where Casey almost said that Ty was like a father to him, but he kind of cut off before he said the word father. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I was just like uh, putting my fatherly feelings into the episode, but I thought that that was kind of like something we were going for. I no, I think it's definitely there. Um, yeah. I think in having your perspective on that was helpful because I did not pick up on those things because I did not watch it on Father's Day. So I wasn't that's true. That's yeah. coming in from a, a different lens. Yeah. Um, yeah. Chuck versus the sensei. Chuck versus the sensei. Do you have anything else that we should we should know about this episode that we should be cognizant of? 
Um, some some fun facts from our friends at Wikipedia. Um, Chuck has a poster of Tron in his room. I've I've noticed that several times. Probably you have too. There have been some references to Tron. There have been some references to Tron. The uh, guest star playing uh, Devin's dad is Bruce Boxleit Boxleitner. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but he was the star of Tron because he starred as Tron. Is Tron a character in Tron? Yes. Okay, I thought Tron was like a machine or something. I've never seen Tron, but this this actor is in Tron, so it it was kind of a lot of people were excited to see the actor who played Tron in Chuck. That's a good Easter egg. That makes a lot of sense. Yes, Casey also says the line "damaging my calm," which is a phrase used by another Adam Baldwin character in the show Serenity. So that's a fun fact for for all you all you kids out there. Okay. Um, the last thing I wanted to note is that in the AV Club review of this, uh, the writer refers to John Casey as one of his favorite characters on television today. So I thought that was really nice. Like, if you want some insight into how people were feeling at the time that this aired, mm. Casey is one of the favorite characters of of television at that time. Interesting. Yeah. That's a, um, that's a pretty bold relative. Yeah, on I thought episode. it was bold stance. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I don't know if I... If I agree with it based on this episode, but yeah, well, this this writer gave the episode a B minus. Like he said oh, okay. that he likes Casey as a character and get like he he said that Casey gets all the best lines, which I think would be true. But mm-hmm. yeah, I I don't know if the character development in this specific episode made him one of the best characters on television, mm-hmm. but I think he like I understand that he is a good character in the show as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Um, moving on into it's a sign. It's a sign. Have- I think there should be a theme song. Like we should have like I saw the sign and it opened up my eyes because it's a sign. I I hate uh, that song so much that I would not want to be involved with it. Is it because of Pitch Perfect? Do you think of Pitch Perfect when you hear it? No, I do not. I just think of okay. the song. Okay, that's in the um, the. I'm sure I've talked about this before, but there's a a a style of '90s one hit wonders that just really grinds my gears. And that is is Mbop one of them? No, it is not. Okay. Um, so this, this sign is, is a pretty large sign that we see uh, behind Chuck when he's talking on the phone to Casey. It says, when you buy more, you save more. And when you save more, you can buy more. And when you buy more, you save more. And there's like a long line of just like repeating that. And then it ends with, it all starts when you buy more. So it's kind of like one of those like infinite loop like magazine covers where there's like a person holding a magazine and on the magazine they're holding a smaller magazine. Like it was just infinity. Yeah. Yeah. So that's... That's this week's It's a Sign. I feel like we've talked about, or they've had that stance on signs before that we've talked about with buy more, like more, more, like more is less. I buy more. Yeah, buy more that, one, that one was featured in this episode as well. Okay. There were a couple like repeat signs, which I mean, I guess that's really nice that they have like the same set and that like things are consistent. Mm-hmm. Like all the signs are in the place where they usually are. Mm-hmm. But it's it's kind of like uh, the It's a Sign segment really makes me pay attention to the signs because you, you can't fully read them in all of the episodes. Like, sometimes they're there in the background and you can see, like, a few words and then, like, a couple episodes later you'll be like, oh, now I finally know what that sign says. Right. It's kind of a gradual uh, putting together of the puzzle pieces with yeah. the signs. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Good job. I, yep. I'm sure whoever designed the signs and is listening to this really appreciates yeah. that they are... Uh, production design. Production good, design. Good work on Chuck. Um, moving into the home theater room, uh, segment of the show where we, we have any anecdotes relating the episode to our personal experience. Um, are you going to talk about your sensei? 
Well, I, I don't have a, a sensei per se, but I did for a very brief time uh, when I was in fifth grade. I did karate. Oh, yeah, that of course, of course, you did. Um, and I, I've been thinking because like I forgot about this for a long time, but then uh, my family was going through and like watching like home videos. So I guess there was a stretch where like that was taken when I was doing karate. So it mm-hmm. kind of brought it back to the forefront of my mind. See, it's just kind of like it's exactly what uh, Devin's dad says because your uh, your parents were using the camera for their children. Good lord, I hope it's not exactly like what Devin's dad was saying. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It was my my experience with karate uh, is it, it represents. I realized, like thinking about it, like a very specific point in my life mm-hmm. that was the kind of I feel like becoming like I became a preteen when I was doing karate and I felt like okay. I had that moment because like before I started doing karate and my mom had, my mom told me this she's like yeah I wanted to I wanted you to see if you wanted to do karate because I was concerned because you were kind of living a sedentary lifestyle <laughs> and I thought you should have some kind of like physical activity that would be good for you and I was like oh I appreciate that um so we're doing karate in town at this like really small place um mm. with this this guy whose name I remember but will not say uh and he it was good and like i enjoyed it and i was like oh this is cool like i'm a kid and i wore like the like whatever the the karate uniform is yep and i had the white belt and i was doing that um and like it was like you're a kid and you're like not self-conscious about these things sort of like you're kind of just uninhibited but then through doing karate i feel like i i received that self-consciousness and had and i was like oh that's what because there was one day where we were doing karate and it was nice outside. And he's like, oh, we're going to have class outside. So I'm thinking like, oh, that would be nice. Like there's a lot of yeah, you know, like grass and yard around to the sides of the building and behind the building. There's plenty of room that would, that would be nice. But instead, what he was doing was he wanted us to do karate next to this main road, like on the other side <laughs> of the parking lot. So the strip separating the main road and the parking lot. And we're standing there and cars are going by and I'm doing karate. And at that moment, I had this inkling of like, I feel very embarrassed right now. Wow. It was your first insecurity. Yeah. Like I care about what people might think if they saw this and I do not like this. Um, Thanks, sensei. Yeah. So anyhow, I had that moment kind of was not liking it. I ended up getting and this is something that I've never been able to verify with anyone else, but I got a white yellow belt which is halfway between a yellow belt and a white belt. And everyone that I've talked to is like, no, there's no, I just went straight to the yellow belt. I also think it's bull crap because like, I think that they can, if you're a sensei or you're a karate instructor, like you can grant belts. There's no like standard board of, of governing that you're like, <laughs> you need to pass these to be certified. Like they can hand them out whenever. And I was getting the sense that he was like really stringing me along. Cause like, if you're stringing the person along, the longer that you have them, the more classes they take, the more that they would have to pay you. Mm-hmm. So I was I got disillusioned with that pretty quickly. Uh, yeah, I don't know. And then and then it was like he I stopped going, and then he would like call my house and be like, "Hey, oh, no. I noticed you were in class. Like, what's going on? Like, are you still?" Um, and we just like ignore the calls, and eventually I had to be like, "Yeah, I'm not coming back." And he was like, "Well, why not?" I'm like, "I I don't know. I don't want to do this." So. I did karate when I was in elementary school. I think maybe maybe fourth grade, mm-hmm. um, and it was not at a. It was even uh, even less glamorous than yours because it was not at a separate studio. It was just like an after school activity in my elementary school gym. 
and I think maybe seven people did it. Um, I might, I might have been the only girl. I don't remember, but the, uh, I remember the word sensei. That was where I learned sensei for the first time. And I remember often that my sensei told me not to hold in a sneeze or a cough because that was my body expelling, uh, like germs and like try it, like not, not to hold things in, I guess. He was like, you gotta let these, these things out. So every time I have a cough or a sneeze, I think of my sensei. He was a better sensei than Casey sensei because he taught to let your emotions out. But I hope he was telling you to like cover these things when you're doing them. Like if you sneeze, sneeze or cough into your arm. I don't think you really mentioned that. I think you just said don't hold it in. Bunch of bunch of fourth graders sit, sitting around a gymnasium just coughing and sneezing <laughs> each, into each other. Yes. All these kids are really sick. I don't know what the common denominator is. <laughs> I also remember there was like a thing where we had to grab a coin out of the like the there was the sensei son who I forget what we called him but he was like sensei. the sensei's son I think yes I guess so um and he put like a quarter in his hand and he was supposed to like snatch it out and I remember I did it and I was really proud of myself and but I was at the end of the line so he was like I just got tired over the course of the line so he like diminished so his his dad sensei was good but sensei not as good Apparently, this was something I had completely forgotten about, but then, like I said, was reminded when my family saw footage of this. But apparently, to get my my prestigious white yellow belt, the final step of the test was me getting kicked in the stomach by the sensei guy. So apparently, there's footage of me looking very concerned as a fifth grader, standing there trying to like flex my muscles and my abdomen, uh, my my core. So, oh my god, I'm gonna get kicked by this guy. He obviously didn't kick me that hard, but. I I mean I I am not questioning uh, traditional karate practices, but I think a fifth grade boy getting kicked by an adult man. <laughs> oh, and and that's a video that your family has just to watch forever and ever. It's out there. No, it's not out there, but it exists. It's in there. It's in there. It's all in there. Um, so yeah, you know this this explains a lot about my adult life. Or all these memories. Yeah, I think I, I think so. Yeah, and then it's like, how can He's like calling me surprised that I don't want to come back. Like, dude, you kicked me in the stomach <laughs> and gave me a, a a white yellow belt. That's the equivalent of like zero point five on the. Uh, anyhow, so would you like to move on to Chuck Mary Kill? Yes. Now that we are now that I'm emotionally raw, as many yeah, characters good. in this episode are, mm-hmm. um, Chuck Mary Kill. One part of this episode that we'd like to marry, and one part of this episode that we would like to kill. Would you like me to go first, or would you like to go first? Um, go, you, you go first. All right, I'm trying. You may have noticed a pause as I try to take a picture of my cat who is being very cute right now. Uh, so I will, I will go first with my Mary. Um, I generally liked the, um, that Skip won the employee of the month. I liked seeing <laughs> Skip have his first line that I remember him having. I don't know that he's spoken before. Um, but I particularly liked his, what the line was where he says, it's not my fault. I tried to be a jerk. Much like me over the course of this episode. I just, I just like, I like the idea. Do you, do you remember? I didn't remember this until like watching this episode, but do you remember a point in college when I said, I'm going to try to be a jerk now? Have you ever stopped? Wow. Wow, Chris. Wow. See, that's how you be a jerk. I've been that trying to teach really, you this whole time. Yeah, you really did. I've been I your just sensei. like the idea that Skip is like a really nice guy and he was like trying to be rude, yeah. but because. I, the thing I remember about when I was trying to be a jerk was that I think really what I was trying to do was just like not care so much about other people. Mm. But what what I was like, I was like, 
if someone was like far away from me, I was like, I'm not going to hold the door for them. And then I was like, jerk. So Skip Johnson over here. What about you? What would you like to marry? Um, well, I think what I really liked in this episode was the, um, like Ellie's character arc mm-hmm. and that Ellie was allowed to have feelings as a character outside of her relationship with Devin. Or I guess it was still like related to that, but the fact that she misses her, her father and wants to see yeah. him and has this meltdown in front of um, Devin and his parents, I felt like was really interesting because otherwise she's usually pretty calm and collected and we don't usually get to see her have that kind of um yeah i definitely agree she definitely like most of her emotions relate to chuck and then like also to devin Mm -hmm. like that's her so it was nice to see her have like her own independent feelings i totally agree with that yeah that was my mary yeah uh for my kill i i don't even i don't even know if this is exactly a kill um i don't really know what i would remove of this but i would definitely change it was just that Ty was a really flat character and might as well have been played by, like, a hunk of cardboard. Like, he didn't really do... Like, the actor did a, a fine job. Like, he he did what I'm sure yeah. was asked of him, but he didn't, like... His his purpose in the episode was to, like, get Casey to have an emotional, like, journey. And, like, even that was, like, felt pretty flat to me. Like, mm. I think that they could have done a lot more with this character. Um, a lot of the reviews talked about how we didn't know, like... I guess a lot of the reviews didn't pick up on that he was fulcrum, which I also did not know. But so I guess that's his motivation for being evil. But a lot of people were talking about, like, what does he do? Why did he turn bad? Like, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Which I think that, like, we just had Chuck's experience being betrayed by Jill. And that was like, I mean, she was not like, I, I think I said in the last episode that she felt like a flat character. But like, compared to this, she was like pretty well developed. Yeah, that's true. It could have been interesting if they gave him more episodes, like a longer arc, yeah. to kind of have that um, exploration, or, sort of. Or, like you said, if they had something with, like, Casey being tempted to join him because he really was a father figure, and he was like, well, Ty always knew it was best for me, so maybe mm. I should, like, listen to him, or if, like, Casey had had, like, a time in the dojo, and, like, like they didn't really even have a conversation, did they? Like, other than other than the rooftop thing, no, not really. Yeah, but the um something that I did want to point out here was we were talking about how I saw Dark Phoenix yesterday, and one of the uh, big lines of Dark Phoenix was Jessica Chastain says to Sophie Turner, um, "Your emotions make you weak," and then she says, "No, my emotions make me strong." And I thought that was the consensus of this episode as well. Wasn't that isn't that scene taken directly from Captain Marvel? Yes, yes, it was. They're also in space when it happens. So, well, then they had to do reshoots because of similarities in the, I guess the the final battle scene. They wouldn't. I don't know if it's between. I think they were referring to Endgame, maybe. Okay. Or Captain Marvel doesn't matter. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean they're in space and she explodes into a ball of light, so it's pretty much all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my kill also also involving Casey. I just think um. Casey threatens to kill Chuck a lot. I feel like mm-hmm. at this point, we know those are just empty threats. And it's yeah. just kind of not interesting. It doesn't feel threatening. It doesn't really add any stakes. Like, oh no, Casey's going to kill... Like, no, he's not. I don't yeah. think like that's an Chuck, actual threat. Uh, Chuck being afraid to tell Sarah, like, any any details because he thought Casey would kill him was, like... Casey has... Like, it's established in this episode several times, but, like, Casey's purpose is to protect Chuck. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not going to... 
kill Chuck. Yeah. Like the the only time Chuck was in actual danger was like during the game of chicken, like because he was in the trunk and he didn't have a seatbelt. Like, mm. so yeah, I think that's fair. So moving on to the scooter scale ranking this episode or giving the score, just like a customer service card, oh. I suppose. Uh, zero to five. We don't do stars. We do corn dogs, but same concept. Yeah. Um. Why? How many corn dogs did you give this episode? I'm gonna give it a three, mm-hmm. which is now seeming kind of high to me. I feel like I wanted, to, I just wanted to show like Casey some support because I'm happy Casey got his own episode, so that's like one star for me. And then I think the episode itself is like two stars, mm-hmm. so I'll, I'll give it a three. But I was, it was not like it was a fine episode. I wasn't like super enthused by it. Yeah. I liked, I liked some parts of it, um, but it just seemed like a lot of a lot of stuff we've already seen before in like slightly better episodes like Casey had an episode where he was betrayed by a former like by his lover like the undercover lover one like or this is, I don't remember which one it was but we've had a Casey episode before where he deals with his emotions and betrayal and I thought that was more well done than this one so mm-hmm. yeah I feel but, similar I yeah. uh, I gave it a 2.5 okay I feel like it was a pretty predictable episode or a very yeah. predictable episode even from the opening scene you're like oh this is going to be a Casey episode oh he's yeah. going to be this guy's going to come back um even the stuff with Ellie and Devin, I was like, oh, the Austins are going to be, like, suffocating to Ellie, and she's going to... Do you, do you remember, like, there being, like, maybe this is in a later episode, but do you remember there being, like, tension between the Austins and Ellie? Like, that they don't like her, that there's, like, some kind of, like, negative relationship there? Uh, I do not recall that at all. Okay. I could be remember, like, I could be mixing it up with another show, but I thought there was going to be a thing where she yelled at them, and then they, like, encouraged Devin to break up with her or something. I kind of remember, like, some kind of antagonistic relationship. Huh. So, I could be totally wrong. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I have no clue. I hope that doesn't happen. No. But we'll um, see. But yeah, I, uh, just talking about the episode, I think it's kind of funny that Chuck says that at the beginning he wants to take a break after all of the Jill stuff, um, mm-hmm. because I feel like this episode is basically a break. Um, between the larger arc of Jill coming and going, and then also the arc of them trying to find Chuck's father. Um, and I, I don't think this episode was outrageously bad. I just think it was pretty boring. I didn't really, yeah. uh, I did appreciate some of the moments in the episode. Um, you know, like the exploration of the emotions and Chuck using Casey's emotions to fire him up in like kind of a, I don't know, like an inverted way, sort of. Yeah, I I liked that. I liked um, I I liked the. I mean, we've already talked about the Ellie stuff. Like, I did really enjoy that. Um, I I thought there were elements of the Buy More plot that, like, I would agree that that was fairly predictable. All of the things that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did like, like, I liked Jeff yelling. I liked some of the like weird, um, some of the, like, filming choices of, like, Emmett or the employees, like, giving giving advice or, like, talking when, like, Chuck does a good job of, like, zooming in really close and, like, having, like, interesting angles and stuff. So I liked that we got the opportunity to see those things. But the storyline of the episode was a little lackluster. Mm-hmm. Well, we will be able to continue our Father's Day celebration next week in the following episode because, spoiler alert, there's a father I saw I I didn't um uh, I didn't like watch coming attractions or anything. I didn't like look at what did you did you watch this episode already? Yes, I have. Okay. 
So I did not watch the episode already, but I did see in the review someone talking about the coming attractions, and I I can confirm that there is a dad. Nice. Yeah. Um, well, I will let you go. So I suppose you can. Do you you Skype with your dad? Well, I'm like, yeah. I mean, my it is difficult to get to my dad, and I am not able to send my dad a card because he does not have an address. Okay, um, Chuck so. and Ellie. <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna. Uh, Hunt down my dad after this call, and uh, maybe we'll Skype. <laughs> I appreciate that. You're really taking your devotion to Chuck to an, a next level by really yes. becoming the characters, moving to California, <laughs> trying to find your father. I really, yeah, that's actually, that's great point. Working for the CIA. Oh, no, I wasn't supposed to say that. <gasps> I've been made. <laughs> was that me being shot? <laughs> what was that sound? That was you being shot. I thought it was oh, okay, pretty I'm obvious dead. that okay, you were being I'm shot. Dead. Uh, my game of chicken has concluded because I am dead. So I guess you are the winner of chicken. That's right. I'm the winner of chicken, and I'm here to tell you that my name is Chris Gillespie, and that food is sexy. My name is Aaron Arana, and I'm here to tell you that anything is possible. Besides locating your dad. Besides, well, don't spoil it. Ha ha ha. Adios. See you next time. Hasta luego. Bye. Thanks for listening. Special thanks to freemusicarchive.org and the artist Hadakoa for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. Make sure to email us at gochuckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com and tweet at us at gochuckpodcast. Remember to like and subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and write a review if that's something you need to do. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.